boy, I just, I just love that refrain, you know, you can have it all, every part of my life. And I love that, come and breathe on this heart. Just the, just the, the ruach, it's the breath of God. Breath of God on our hearts. Just, just turn your hands up and just, just, as a, just as a physical motion, it says that the physical speaks of the spiritual. You know, we know that uh, physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. I'm not asking you to obey me. I'm saying when we respond to the Lord physically, it brings spiritual breakthrough. Holy Spirit, we, just as we lift our hands up right now, we're, we're communicating a couple of things. Number one, we're saying, Lord, we come empty-handed. We don't have anything that, that we can add that you don't already have. We also come with surrender. We, we put our hands up. We surrender. Lord, we open our hands and we say, Lord, we, we need today our daily bread. We need the bread of life. We need a fresh revelation and an infilling of Jesus, the anointed one, your son. We also put our hands up as a, as a sign of our dependency our humility, and our openness to your leadership. We want to receive from you. And then lastly, we open our hands, Lord, and we say, it's all yours. It's all yours. Everything that I am, everything that I will be, everything that I was, I give it to you. I willingly give it to you. And we Acknowledge you. We're grateful for you. Amen. I want to start uh, in a scripture in Nehemiah. And uh, the backstory of Nehemiah, for those of you, um, most of us are familiar with it, that Nehemiah was called of God to go and rebuild Jerusalem. Re and Jerusalem had been laying in ruins for for ages and, and through an act of God and God keeping his promises, he sends Nehemiah and a remnant to go and rebuild Jerusalem. And, and so they've rebuilt the walls. And it's a beautiful story, beautiful story of perseverance and God's promises and character and how to stand in the face of adversity to establish the work of the Lord out of obedience and humility and boldness. And so now they've rebuilt the wall They've, they've, they've begun to, uh, so, so now the city is fortified. There's good things that are going on. God has moved. And, and so then they're, they call the people together. And they begin to read the law, the scriptures, to the people. And as they're reading the scriptures to the people, they've gathered them together for this big event, this big celebration. And, and they start reading the scriptures to them. And, and, um, and what happens is as the people hear the law, suddenly Israel begins to weep. And they begin to cry and lament because they hear and they see how far they've fallen from their standard of holiness. And they weep and they mourn. And this is the response then that Nehemiah speaks to him. He says, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want you to say that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
All right, now say it and smile while you say it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I know, it seems more real when you smile, huh? When you're like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's like you're reading somebody else's mail. This is your mail. This is your declaration. Let's do it one more time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You are speaking the truth. Let's continue the next. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Now, I want you to catch a couple of things. It says, then they celebrated after they understood the word of the Lord. See, they heard the word of the Lord and they began to weep. But then they understood the word of the Lord and then they began to rejoice. There's a big difference there, isn't it? You see, the enemy is really good at quoting scriptures to us. One of the favorite ones that he likes to quote to me all the time is he's like, as a dog returns to its vomit, so the sinner to his sin. And he always says that to me right about the time that I've sinned. And I'm like, I'm a dog in my vomit. <laughs> but you know, the thing about the enemy is, he is good at quoting scripture. He quoted scripture to Jesus, didn't he? When he came to tempt Jesus, he didn't show up and tell Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, why don't you join a rock band and, you know, smoke crack? No. He showed up and he quoted scriptures to Jesus out of context to try to tempt Jesus into grieving God, grieving himself. But you see, Jesus understood the scripture so that Jesus responded in context and defeated the enemy. Now you notice here that the, that the Israelites were reading scripture. They were hearing the scripture. But the scripture caused them to grieve and to weep because they'd seen how far they'd fallen. And it is totally okay, by the way, for us to get convicted by scripture and to grieve and to weep. But only for a moment. Because what it does is it says this. There is a sorrow that leads to repentance, which is good, but it leads to repentance. But there's a different kind of sorrow that leads to death. So when you read the scripture and it leads you to repentance, good. But let me tell you what repentance looks like. You're cruising this way. You realize, oh, that's repentance. Okay? What repentance is not is, oh, my God. You can have that for the moment, but it's right here. And now we've repented. See, this was the sorrow. This is the repentance. Sorrow. <laughs> repentance. Do you see this? You guys might have missed it. Sorrow. <laughs> repentance. Repentance is an action where you turn from one thing and you move to the other. And what the enemy wants to do with us is he wants us to see repentance as sorrow. And it's not the same thing. So the scripture that we need to catch a hold of is this. Do not grieve. This is a holy day unto the Lord. Celebrate with great joy. And I'm going to talk to you about what we have to celebrate. But I want you to see that. Do you see that? You see, now, now I do want to say this. Many of us very naturally embrace the idea of when we encounter God that it should always be tears if it's genuine. And there's a reason why. 
and I, and I want to upgrade our thinking in this. There's a reason why. It's because most of us, when we first encountered God, it was his kindness that led to repentance. And we, just like the Israelites, encountered God, and we were confronted with our sin and with all of the things of how far we'd fallen. And we did weep. We wept tears of sorrow and grief, and then we repented. And it was marvelous, wasn't it? When you realized that you were like totally guilty, and then it was like, I'm totally guilty, oh my gosh. And you came face to face with your pride, and you're like, ugh. Like, like Easter, right? We, we, when you realize that you are far more sinful and flawed than you ever dared imagine, right? But then you realize that he loves you more than you could ever conceive, okay? Well, in that moment when you realize, I'm more flawed and sinful and selfish than I could have ever imagined, and, and I'm caught with it, and I see it, and it's like, ah! But then he says, yes, but I love you more than you could ever even conceive. Look at Jesus, and we, and we turned from this <laughs> to this, and it was like, oh, that's how it sounds, oh, and we remember that, and, we, and that was our first encounter with God for most of us, right? When we chose him, we, we were in this moment of his kindness leading us to repentance, but here's where we go wrong. We get it in our head that encounters with God, the really important ones, involve a lot of weeping because our first encounter with God involved a lot of weeping. But the joy wasn't in the weeping. The joy was in the repenting, was in the turning to him and receiving new life. But the enemy, are you guys seeing this? The enemy comes in and goes, the important stuff involves a lot of sadness and a lot of mourning and a lot of grieving, remember? And we're like, I do remember that. I remember that, like, that vital day when I turned to the Lord. I was really, really sad, and I was crying, and I was weeping. And, you know, many of us wept for hours that day as God was healing our hearts, and that's all beautiful, right? But then the enemy comes and goes, and that's what a touch from God is supposed to look like. If you're really lined up with the Lord, you're going to be crying. You know you're going to be crying if you really love the Lord. And we don't remember that there's this other part that the Scripture talks about, which is, yeah, tears may last for the night, but... Joy comes in the morning. We're like, I don't know about that joy business. I got time for that joy business. I got time for the kingdom. I got time for weeping. I got time for thinking about how dirty and low down that I've been and how I was and how depraved. And, and man, I got a list. And when I forget the list, the devil reminds me of the list. And when I'm not reading my list, I'm reading your list and grieving over that too. All right? And so what do we do? We grieve. But what's the point here? The point is that, yes, there's, there's room to grieve. But it's a short amount of time, and then we repent, and we turn, and there's joy. And I want to talk to you about joy today, because it is, it is appropriate. There were appropriate times for grief. I get that. You need to grieve. The Bible says we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. That means we don't keep grieving. That's a say law right there. We don't keep grieving. We grieve, but we have hope, so we don't keep grieving. We grieve appropriately. We grieve in a healthy way. And then if it's sin, we repent. And if it's discouragement, we get re-encouraged. Are you guys tracking with me so far? All right. I, can, I'm, I, think, I, think, I think we're doing good. Now let me prove some stuff to you. Let me prove some stuff to you. You see, understanding brings joy. We just read that. It says, when they understood, I'm going to read that one more time. 
It says, then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. See, many of us have words that we remember, but we don't understand them yet. I want to encourage you guys that being a follower of Christ is an amazing place. You don't just engage your heart, you also engage your mind. That is good news. Love God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. It's all of it. We're not just wanting you to have an emotional experience and then be like, yeah, I had that emotional experience and that was, that's all there is. Oh, yeah, baby. But then there's more. Because you also get to understand with all of your mind and you get to perceive with all of your heart and we get to live and love with all of our strength. This is holistic. This, is, this is, doesn't just engage your heart. It also engages your mind. Amen? And when we understand, and this is an important part for us, when we understand, then joy comes. But if you're looking for joy without understanding, you ain't going to get it. Because the scripture says we understand and we have joy as we understand. So what is it that we should understand? And now I'm going to start proving some stuff to you. So we're going to go here to Psalms 45, 7. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. And he says this. You love righteousness and you hate wickedness. And therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of a sober mind. By anointing you with the oil of rigorous religious training. By anointing you with the oil of repentance. You tracking with me yet? By anointing you with the oil of joy. By anointing you with the oil of joy. See, joy is an anointing. And Jesus had to receive this anointing in order to do what he was called to do. I think that's enough of a point right there. Number one, joy is an anointing. I want you to say that. Joy is an anointing. And I'm not just making you say that. The Bible is saying that. He was anointed with the oil of joy. There is an anointing, and that anointing is joy. Okay? Now, Jesus had to receive that anointing in order to do what he was called to do. That's important for us to remember because we have a job to do. We have a life to live. We have an, we have an everlasting life to live with the king in all of glory, and we got work to do here. And just like Jesus, we better be anointed to be able to do it. An anointing is the ability to do the job that you've been called to do. Suffice it to say in the scriptures, when they would anoint kings, as they anointed them, it said this of them, and they became a new man. In other words, when God puts an anointing on you, you now suddenly have the ability to do the job he called you to do. And guys, he's not asking us to do a job that we can't do. He's asking us to do a job that he's anointed us to be able to do. That's really good news for us. But here's the good news as well. We couldn't do it without his anointing. So if Jesus needed it, we needed it. Is that enough? Enough to say that? Let's keep going. Isaiah 61. I'm going to read this scripture to you in three different, uh, three different translations, okay? Isaiah 61, Jesus came and read Isaiah 61 when he started his ministry. Went into the synagogue and he read from Isaiah 61. And here's what he says. The Spirit, <coughs> excuse me, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. And it goes on to say, the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Now there's some things I want you to look at here. First of all, he has been anointed because the Holy Spirit is upon him. 
The Holy Spirit is upon him and has anointed him for a certain job. Now in a moment, I'm going to prove to you that we are called to have the same anointing as Jesus. So let's just keep looking at this. So what does is, what is this anointing cause Jesus to do? It causes him to preach, which means speaking, to those, to who is he preaching? To those that are poor, those that are captive, those that are imprisoned, those that are mourning and heavy. Jesus is coming and he's sharing good news with the broken places and people in this world. And the reason why he's able to do that is because he's been anointed by the Holy Spirit to do it with joy. Let me read it to you in another translation here now. Isaiah 61, again, I love this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. You know what I love about this? There's a bumper sticker out there that is really infuriating for me, but I'm learning to respond better to it. But so far it's been working on me because every time I see it, I do get, I do get uh, outraged. And the bumper sticker says, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. And it irritates me every time I get outraged, every time I see that. As if that's like the only response that we could have. It's just like, oh, injustice is happening in the world. And so the only good response, if I'm really paying attention, is to be outraged. And, and, and that's a funny thing to say. But the truth is the Bible has a different bumper sticker which says that the wrath of man does not bring about the righteous requirements of God. So being outraged doesn't help the world. The world can't eat your anger. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to, the world can't live in your, in your fury. Orphans can't live in your upsetness. So there must be something else. And Isaiah 61 says what that is, that we bring good news to those very places. We actually bring the oil of gladness to the afflicted, to those that are imprisoned, to those places that are broken. So we don't just get mad. We actually get glad, not that they're happening, but that Christ Jesus has brought a solution to our homelessness. Christ Jesus has brought a solution to injustice, to trafficking, to manipulations, to greed, to sin. So there's a response that is happening through the anointing of God. And Christ Jesus is proof that God has done this. That's the good news that we're bringing. But... We must be anointed by the Holy Spirit to carry that joy in the face of these afflictions. Otherwise, we have no good news for the afflicted. Coming up to somebody who's really, really angry and saying, I also am really angry, doesn't help that angry person. It just doesn't. You don't have any good news for them. They were already angry. What did you add? Nothing. You added the same thing that I add to that bumper sticker. Nothing. Now I want to read it to you one more time. This one in the Amplified. I love this. The Spirit of God, the Master, is on me because God anointed me. And he sent me to preach good news to the poor. To heal the heartbroken. Messages of joy instead of news of doom. <laughs> I like that, right? How, how many of us is just like, man, Jesus just needs to come soon because it's just doom. It's just doom and doom. And gloom and doom. And you know, the economy and George Soros and you know, first it was Obama and now it's Trump. Soon it'll be some other person. Doomy and gloomy. Right? It's just, it's just a general outlook. Not really helpful. Not special. Not fresh. Not hard to come up with. How hard is it to whine about broken things? 
things are broken. That's, you don't need an anointing for that. You don't. But, that's, but we're anointed, and we're anointed with something. And what are we anointed with? The oil of gladness with the joy. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Joy instead of doom. Good news instead of bad news. A praising heart instead of a languid spirit. I love that. A languid spirit. You know what languid means? Yeah, I didn't either. I looked it up. It means weak, faint, ill, or fatigued. How many of us have had those times when we've had a languid spirit? You know, it's just like, I just need to sit here and watch some TV. (laughs) Watch TV until I feel better. Which is an ironic thing, isn't it? Because there's not a lot of great news going on there. (laughs) You know, you got to be selective. (laughs) So there's an anointing, though, that breaks off these very things. There's an anointing that changes. There's an anointing that gives us good news. So I want to keep talking about that. And that anointing comes from his spirit. So let's look at this. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. His spirit. He's given us his Holy Spirit. We literally have the Spirit of God in us. That's the anointing. The Holy Spirit of God living in us. We, when we were born again, we received the Holy Spirit. This is so huge. This is so important. We're so used to it, honestly, we forget how happy we are. Even on our bad days, other people are like, why are you so happy? And you're thinking, I have been nothing but a jerk all day today. And this person is telling me that I'm carrying joy. You carry joy on accident. I'm not saying you should keep it on the down low like you were when you're being naughty. But I'm just saying your worst day is better than your best day when you weren't filled with the Spirit of God. You can rejoice in that. I'm just saying like, even when you're being a knucklehead, you're pretty awesome. I'll rejoice in it. Even when I'm being a knucklehead, I'm pretty awesome. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in me. All right. So we know And I love this. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. See, when we start talking about joy, there's kind of this accusation, at least in me, that goes off in my head, which is like, oh, yeah, you're going to be real joyful. Why? Because you're not paying attention to anything that's going on. Oh, you're going to have a bunch of joy because you're in denial about how bad things are. Oh, you're going to have joy right now because you refuse to think about what's broken. So that's, those are kind of the accusations that I hear. It's like, I'm not allowed to be joyful right now because our elected officials aren't doing exactly what we as Christians tell them that they should do. So until that happens, I can't be joyful. I just need to just... <laughs> What's the matter with you? The elected people aren't doing what I think they should do. God's upset me too. When has that ever happened, right? Well, the economy's shaky at the moment. The interest rates are too low right now. Okay, now they're too high. I mean, I'm just saying, if you're going to wait for circumstances to change until you have joy. But the accusation is essentially this. is like, well, if you're having joy right now, you must not even be plugged into reality. And the answer to that is right here. The reason why we have joy is because we know and rely on the love God has for us. Our joy isn't coming from the circumstances on the outside of us. Our joy is coming from the circumstances of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our joy is coming from the fact that Jesus said, I have total victory. Go and share this good news. I'm redeeming all things, and I will come, and there will be justice. But today, you have me in you. You already have peace. You already have joy because of who you're relying on. 
See, the Spirit of God is in you testifying of Jesus. That's why we carry joy. We don't carry joy because everything goes well. We don't carry joy because every circumstance works out. We don't carry joy because now suddenly we just get a break from the, from the world. No, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But then he turns around and goes, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So if the world is beating on you, just know that I'm inside of you just healing you even faster. And he said this, I will reward you for every good thing you do in, in my name. That's like the best stock market tip ever. It's like everything you do, I'm paying attention to, and I'm going to reward you for it. That's a reason for joy. We have joy because of who we rely on. Let me keep going. Love has been perfected among us in this. This is 1 John 4. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because, and this is the part you got to catch, as he is, so are we in this world. So that brings us back to the fact that Jesus was anointed with the oil of? Yeah, the oil of gladness, the oil of joy. And Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me for what? To preach good news. There's an oil of gladness, there's an anointing of joy that we must have in order to live in this world, in order to live as Christ did. And the scripture says here in 1 John, as he is, so are we in this world. So that means we do what he does and we need what he needed. And Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to anoint him to be able to be in this world. So we need the same thing. We need the breath of God. Jesus said, I will baptize you with fire. That's the Holy Spirit. When we became born again, we received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the anointing, the anointing of joy, the oil of gladness that is upon our life to be able to share the good news and fulfill Isaiah 61. And Jesus said this before he left. I have to go to the Father, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will come upon you and give you power. And when you have received the Holy Spirit, then you will become my witnesses, even to the end of the earth. And you will do greater things than I do. Why? Because you have the same anointing that I have, which is my spirit, which is joy. Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now that means to the extent that we don't have joy is to the extent that we don't have... That's right. So if you're walking around like, that is not a power position. That is not strength. You don't have strength. If you don't have joy, you don't have. But if you have joy, then you have strength. Now, many of us who look at our circumstances and we think to ourselves, how am I supposed to have joy in the midst of this cancer? How am I supposed to have joy in the midst of this death? How am I supposed to have joy in the midst of the stock market or the politics or whatever it is that gets you all kerfluffled? I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying whatever it is that gets you, whatever <laughs> that pushes your little button. When that thing gets worked out, then I'll have joy. No, you'll be happy. I mean, when things work out, that's a happy day. That's okay. You can be happy. You can rejoice. But the truth is, you're looking at it exactly backwards. You see, joy is not what comes after things get worked out. Joy is your strength to engage in being a solution to that thing that needs to be worked out. You see, the joy starts in you and changes circumstances. Circumstances don't change and bring you joy. There was one circumstance that changed and brought you joy. Christ Jesus came and died for us while we were yet sinners. In perfect love, 
that was the circumstance that changed, that brought you joy. Now, the Spirit of God brings revelation of that joy, no matter what the other circumstances are. Because he wants us to engage in those very things. Isaiah 61 is all about bringing good news and rebuilding our cities through the, through the preaching of the gospel and through the acts of service of God himself. Are you guys enjoying this? All right, let's keep going. All right, I love this. He's, here he's actually talking about, actually I don't have to go into it, but he's actually talking about dietary laws at the time. And they were trying to figure out like, hey, is it okay to eat food that's been sacrificed to idols or not? So essentially it was like, what kind of religious practices should we have in order to be holy and do the right thing? And, and, and the apostle lands on this and he says, listen, don't let your good be spoken of as evil. And he's saying, keep a clean conscience. If somebody's going to get tripped up over what you're doing, you know, whether it's drinking wine or whether it's eating some kind of food that they don't think you should eat, don't eat it in front of them. Don't, don't stumble them over your own freedom. But then he goes on to say this. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the part I want us to catch. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven, what's it like? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? Within you. Where do you get righteousness and peace and joy? From the Holy Spirit. What's the anointing that Jesus needed in order to do the job that he was called to do? The Holy Spirit, the oil of gladness, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. What do we need? The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Where do we get it? From the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the oil of gladness. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you. How is the kingdom of heaven within us? Who do we rely on? We rely on the spirit of God, the character of God. Our joy always comes back to the promises of God. Our joy is not in the circumstances. They will be resolved. You will not always be in debt. You will not always be grieving. You will not always be broken. You will not always be in the place that you are right now. Everything. Every victory, every promise is in Christ Jesus, and in him it is yes and amen. So when we do this, it's not that we deny problems. It's not that we don't see the problems. It's that we have more confidence in the king. And so we engage with problems because of the joy that's set before us. What does it say about Jesus? Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him with the joy that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. We're called to do the same thing. Sometimes God asks us to do something that's really, really, really hard. Do you know why we're able to do it? Because of the joy. It doesn't say that Jesus enjoyed the cross. It says he endured the cross for the joy set before him. There are times where we have to endure crosses, but it's the strength that comes from the joy in the Lord and the character and promises of him by the virtue of the power of the Holy Spirit in us to do it. And as we understand, then we have our joy. See, when you're going through a hard time and you think that circumstances are supposed to be what determines whether or not you're joyful, you do not understand. But when we look and rely upon the love of God and we say, in Christ, I have all things. And as he is, so am I. And I have to face some things. I have a job to do. So Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Pour it into me again. I like how Paul says it. He says this, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a verb. It's a verb. It's an ongoing infilling. 
You're a cup. He's the pitcher. Fill it up. Pour it out. Fill it up. Pour it out. Fill it up. Pour it out. That's what we are. We're a vessel. We're being filled. We're being being filled. Are you with me? So in those times where you go, Lord, I notice that my joy is lacking, then you can say, God, I'm remembering your promises. I'm remembering that it's your joy that's going to help me to get through this. Now, I don't feel happy. So I need you to fill me with joy. Now, the joy of the Lord is a whole lot more than happy. Happy is a nice outcome that happens. Enjoy it. Do it. It's good. But know that the filling, the ongoing filling comes by the Holy Spirit, and it's supernatural. You and I can't create that. You can't conjure up the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, you know, like, let me get some goosebumps, you know, or it's like the sing that song that, like, really rocked you last time, you know, fill it up, Lord, fill it up, Lord, like, you know, whatever it is. No, that's not what it is. What it is is the Spirit of God in you. So it's okay for us to be really honest and say, Lord, I understand that I am relying completely on you, and I'm asking you to fill me afresh. And you begin to meditate with your mind on the promises of God. What are those promises? I am anointed with the oil of gladness from God. I may not feel happy right now, but I remember that you've anointed me with the oil of gladness. This is not joyful right now. This circumstances is not right right now. But I remember who my God is. Holy Spirit, fill me up. And he begins to fill us up and gives us the joy and strength. And then we continue to persevere. We're a testimony of God's answer. Even if we die and the circumstance that we want to see change hasn't changed yet, we stand as a prophetic witness that God says no to that. And our joy is the witness that we lived and died in joy hitting that rock. And maybe my son will hit that rock and it'll break for him. But he'll have seen me stand my whole life with joy hitting that rock and never moving because I see the promise of God. And then he sees it and when he hits it, it breaks. And I share in his glory and he shares in mine. Do you see that? But if I believe that the circumstance is what is going to determine my joy, I will stop hitting the rock. I'll make peace with the rock. <laughs> Keep hitting that rock. Keep hitting that circumstance. Amen? Now, some of us are saying probably, uh, well, what about when bad things do happen? I mean, I hear you saying that, you know, joy doesn't, isn't in denial. It's not in denial. Here's how joy deals with lousy circumstances. We're going to end on this thought. I love this. Psalms 37. Delight yourself in the Lord. So that's what we've been talking about right here, isn't it? We rely on his love. Lord, I delight in your promises. I delight in your unchanging nature and your beautiful love poured out in Christ. I delight in your sense of humor. I look at the anteater and I say to myself, Lord, you have a sense of humor. <laughs> Delight in the Lord your God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He will do it. I love that. He will do it. He didn't say, I will do it. He says, he will do it. I'm delighting in him. He's keeping his promises. Now, what about the wicked? What about George Soros? I'm, I actually don't even read about George Soros, but a lot of people throw his name around, so I hope I'm not hurting any feelings. George Soros, undermining the world. Okay. So, Lord, you, you know what's going on with George. I don't. But the wicked plots against the righteous 
and he gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. Am I allowed to be joyful in the face of all of the injustices that go on in the world? Now listen, we have a unique, we have a unique situation that we live in right now because of how media is so available now, which is a huge blessing, but has some inherent weaknesses. And one of those weaknesses is that we are inundated with more news in one day than people for ages and generations had in their entire life. That is not an exaggeration. In one day, you have access to more information than all the generations before us would hear in their whole life. You could just find out about, you know, what's going on in Greece and what British prime minister did whatever, and then the horrible things in Rwanda, and then you've got, you know, some bad shady deals going on in Washington, D.C., and then Egypt, and then human trafficking, and then, you know, blood diamonds, and then, you know, all of that. I mean, it's just like after you're just going, whoa, like what do I even do with this? There's wickedness everywhere. And then there's a school shooting, and then they're like, we need to stop glorifying violence. Everybody report about school shootings. Put their name up everywhere. It's just foolishness. Anyway, so what does it say here? It says this. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth, but the Lord laughs at him. The Lord looks at the plans of the wicked and he laughs at them. Is he laughing at wickedness? No, no. He dealt with wickedness in the cross. He has brought redemption. Everything will be healed. Everything will be made right. There will be justice. Anyone that chooses him can be born again and will live forever. He is making all things right. He did not lower the standard. What it says is that he looks at the plans of the wicked and he goes, <laughs> That's the best that you got. Oh. If God is laughing at the plans of the wicked, I suggest that you do it too. I didn't say laugh at wickedness. I said, laugh at the plans of the wicked. Look at it and go. <laughs> I mean, what's the alternative? Okay, let's just say you haven't been doing this. Like, are you? What is more? What is more helpful? This. Or, <laughs> oh no, no, that is going to fall over. No way my dad is going to put up with that. Lord, 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 right? Because I'm telling you that's what he's doing. And then we go in and we change things. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is an anointing by the Holy Spirit, and you are anointed with the joy of the Lord. And when you and I find ourselves operating in a different spirit, we go back and we abide in the vine and we say, Lord, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Whether I feel it or not yet does not matter. I'll feel it in time. It's fine. But I do need to be filled. Let me be filled, Lord. Let me be filled again. Let me be filled afresh. Let me be filled. And then, and then if you have found yourself looking at some situations, <laughs> I 
then just, just take a step. Just be like, Lord, this thing that's like bothering me really, 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 really bad that makes me feel really, really, really small, are you bigger than that? Are you at least bigger than that? And maybe just practice a little giggling at it. Just giggle at it a little bit. <laughs> All right? And what do you have to lose? The point is, I'm not saying... I don't even know what I'm not saying. Let's finish with the scripture. All right, come on now. Stop it. Here we go. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. Let us receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and receive the joy that he brings. And let us not value other emotions, philosophies, or mindsets that don't match righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Would you stand up with me? All right. Let's ask for a fresh infilling. Let's just turn our hands up again. We can't fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, can we? But he promises. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and fill us again. Anoint us with the oil of gladness. Fill us with the fire of our Father's love. And let us be strong in your joy. Lord, in any place where what we believe doesn't match what you believe, Lord, we give you permission to give us more information so that we can understand, but we commit that where we believe something other than what you believe will change our mind. Amen? Amen. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be blessed. If you need prayer, the prayer servant team is coming forward, and we encourage you to get prayer. Hey, and don't wait till you're bleeding to death to get prayer, guys. You can get prayer anytime. God wants to prosper you in your ministries. So get prayer today. God bless you.